Here we are once again on our owns. I don't know. I don't think that's how the song goes. I don't even. Oh, now I know what you're singing. (laughs) (laughs) I messed up the lyrics so much. You just didn't even recognize it. (laughs) (laughs) My brain, my brain did catch up with you though. Yes. It was, it was, it was a nice little cover that I did. Yeah. Um, A Kristen original. Yes. Well, hey, how's your weekend going? Oh, it is going. I feel like today just was very cozy. It's was storming all day. So I just basically spent all day in bed or on my couch. Very nice, cozy, rainy day. That's interesting. It was so rainy. I think we had like sunshine half the day, but no, like we partly cloudy. I think we're entering that sort of like wet spring season for Florida. Mm-hmm. I still have this cold allergy thing going on. So, well, you're missing all the wonderful clouds of pollen in Georgia. Uh, Zach showed me a picture of like the Atlanta skyline and like, it was literally like yellow. You could see the pollen. It was crazy. My porch is usually red and it just like, you can see every single groove in the wood. It's Mm. a solid coating of yellow pollen. If y'all aren't familiar with the Southern States, we get clouds of pollen in the spring and it coats everything, including your eyeballs. And it stays like that until about May. <laughs> so Zach Biggins would actually really need that respirator mask. We all should be wearing a respirator really in, in reality. <laughs> um, but welcome to our podcast. This is Haunted or Hoax. I'm Jennifer. And I am Kristen. And today we are mentally not where all this pollen is in the rain we are in louisville kentucky i liked how you said that that was nice (laughs) i know because it's wrong apparently to say louisville right yeah i think i just say louisville louisville (laughs) you're doing a lot (laughs) you gotta really punch it home (laughs) punch it home there we're in kentucky we are in kentucky we are talking about Waverly Hills Sanatorium, which is super popular. This was probably one of the ones where like, I just had to do a Google search and like a bunch of shit came up. Yeah. So, I picked up on that. I was like, Kristen is going to have plenty to talk about this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was good for me. I don't know how good it was for you history wise, but uh, pretty straightforward, actually. It is what it was, and now it is what it is. Cool. And that was actually my entire notes. I have something interesting to talk about later, and but I want to see if it comes up in your like more recent history, because I was on Instagram and I was looking at things, and I don't know something doesn't add up. So I want to. I'm interested in seeing what Ooh. is happening currently. Oh, okay. So. so I'm going to go first. Sure. I don't, I mean, yeah. I don't, but it's uh, not what we just said. Did we just say that? Yes. Okay. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> you can go first. I can go first. It doesn't matter. We'll go at the same time, actually. And- <laughs> yeah, we'll just talk. <laughs> about <her things>. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a true April Fool's, like late April Fool's joke here. Decipher this podcast where we're both talking at the same time. Which episode got the least amount of downloads? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, go first because there's some things uh, that can be easily proven or disproven through your history through my paranormal stuff style. Okay. Here we go. So I used a couple of different sources this time around. I actually got some videos. Hmm. One of them was Waverly Hills Sanatorium. It was a video done by the Kentucky Educational Television account on YouTube, KET. And then I also used the History of Tuberculosis and Waverly Hills Sanatorium, which was by Filson Historical, KY, obviously a historical society in Kentucky. I used that one for most of my information just because they had Dr. Lynn Pohl do the, um, it was like a, a Zoom meeting essentially where she just talked, it was a presentation where she talked about tuberculosis in Kentucky and Waverly Hills, kind of how it facilitated tuberculosis, not facilitated, right. but helped with the treatment of tuberculosis in the area. And she gave really good like she, they got a donation from the grandchild of somebody who worked and was a um, patient in the sanatorium, the hospital. Wow. And they got a donation of an album of pictures from like the 1920s. She also being part of the historical society has a lot of records and stuff and letters that she used to give her presentation. So it was obviously very historically accurate. So I use that for a lot of my research. I also finally got a membership to newspapers.com. I saw that in her email. I was like, <laughs> oh, hey, pulled the trigger. I forgot to cancel my free trial. Oh, so it just automatically <laughs> rolled over. <laughs> so now I have it for six months. I'm just going to deal with it, but it ended up being very handy. I got a couple of newspaper clippings from um, Courier Courier Journal, which is a a Louisville newspaper. I also used the Waverly Hill website as well. Awesome. So from the beginning, Waverly Hills, it was originally purchased in 1883 by Major Thomas Hayes. He needed a school for his daughters, so he started a one-room schoolhouse and hired Lizzie Lee Harris to teach at the school. This portion was on the Waverly Hills website in the um, YouTube video by the historical society. The historian there said that he had a daughter who wanted a school to teach from herself. So he built the school for his daughter to be a teacher at. I couldn't find one either way. So regardless, it originated as a school. They loved the na- the novels, the Waverly novels so much that they ended up naming the schoolhouse Waverly School. And then Major Hayes changed the entire property name to Waverly Hill. Cool. But regardless, with the huge tubercula- tuberculosis outbreak at the turn of the 20th century, there was a really huge need for a tuberculosis clinic in Louisville. Mm. Who's your favorite disease? It is my favorite disease. Tuberculosis. Apparently it was really bad, specifically in Louisville. And I think in the presentation, Tennessee was the other one that got hit really bad. So the board of tuberculosis hospital purchased the property from major Hayes and they converted it to a sanatorium. It was one of two sanatoriums in Louisville. Mm. In case you 
don't know what tuberculosis is, this is not, this podcast will kill you. I am not going to give you the whole history (laughs) of it, but just to give you a rough idea of what it is, it's a bacterial disease that usually attacks the lungs, um, but it can also damage other parts of the body. Some of the patients in her records were writing about how they had tuberculosis of the bone, which sounds terrible. Right. Cause I think it like grows tumors in the spots Ugh. where it is too. Yes. And I, I, I feel like it's like the worst to be like tuberculosis is my favorite disease, but I think that the only reason why I feel so connected with the tuberculosis is because my literary crush romantic <laughs> poet, John Keats died far too, too young of tuberculosis. And I think that I'm just very connected. And I just remember that because of him. So I, I'm not like some weird person who just loves diseases. So just, I am a weird person who loves learning about diseases. <laughs> I like learning this about podcast, them, but it will kill you is fantastic. Like, I like learning about them. I'm just like, when I say it's my favorite disease, it's not like Woohoo, let's throw a party for tuberculosis. We are not celebrating tuberculosis. <laughs> it is like the history of it is really cool. And mm-hmm. she showed this graph of how it like became very prominent and then it just kind of went down pretty quickly. It was really interesting. But anyway, it, it spreads when an infected person infected person coughs or sneezes. So it's an airborne disease. Mm-hmm. Most people infected don't have symptoms, oddly enough. When symptoms do occur, they usually include a cough, which is the Hollywood favorite, the blood-tinged cough, cough into a handkerchief, and you have ketchup all over the place. Right. Weight loss, night sweats, and fever. It seemed like there were a couple of different stages for it when she was doing her presentation. You had very mild cases, but then if you came in with a severe case, it was pretty much you were going there. And you're not going to make it right. You're kind of going there to be comfortable. Right. So Waverly Hill, Waverly Hills opened for patients in 1910, and it was designed to accommodate 40 to 50 patients safely. There were open air rooms. uh, So the patients had constant access to fresh air and sunshine. And that was a big belief back then that it was uh, a big help to recovery as well as they had regular exercise hours under nurse supervision. She had a picture of a lot of people going on a walk on the grounds. The grounds themselves were very open air and hilly and they were secluded. So it went with the theme of keeping people away from other people, but also making sure they had access to fresh air. There was also a children's pavilion added later on. I'm going to send you a picture of the original. So the original hospital had a main house in the middle. Okay. And then on both sides, they had what they called pavilions. Okay. And those pavilions had 20 beds each. One side was for men. The other side was for women. They also had like screened in porches. So there could be outside fresh air access. And then in the first four years, here is a report of the admissions. And mind you, everyone that came here had to have a confirmed diagnosis of tuberculosis. They might've had other diseases, but tuberculosis was the main thing here. Wow. So you see it had three stages essentially where it was incipient, moderately advanced or far advanced. And the far advanced, that was like the worst it could get. Yeah. And most of their patients ranged from 30 to 50 years old. So in 1926, the building that you're familiar with today 
opened up. They renovated it and made it huge. And this is an aerial view from 1926, which is kind of cool. Very cool. Pre-drone drone bridge. <laughs> so the you can still see the old building kind of behind it. Unfortunately, when the new building opened, it seemed that it was for white patients only. The old 1912 building was used for black patients. And to kind of drive home the differences in quality of care they were getting, the new building had 400 beds. It had private or double occupancy rooms. And the rooms opened up. I don't know if you're able to see the sun porches in your research. I did. They opened directly up to the sun porch. So the beds could be pushed out onto the porch. Right. They had radios in every room. It also had a library, a theater, and a bakery. Wow. They did have waiting lists for these facilities. So obviously the old building that only had 40 beds had a longer waiting list. Right. So just very unfortunate. There was also a lot of employee housing at the Waver- at Waverly Hills, and it seemed to be pretty much a self-contained community as it should have been since it was such a contagious disease. It had its own zip code. It had a post office, water treatment facility, grew its own fruits and vegetables, raised its own livestock, and they had staff that lived on property. One of the really cool pictures that she had was she said a lot of the pictures in the album were just of people goofing off which I love yeah it makes it more like you know these people really lived yes so this is one of them on the slide which I sure I'm sure you saw Mm -hmm. but it's just it's four guys just goofing off on a really tall slide oh the physicians at Waverly Hills also perform various treatments to try and relieve some of the symptoms of tuberculosis. They have what was called pneumothorax therapy, which it pumps air into the lung to deflate it. Yeah. And this was done with the mindset of deflating it would help the lung rest and potentially heal. They also surgically removed diseased parts of the lung. This was done in like the 1920s. Just keep that mindset. Yeah, I also... In my research, heard about the experimental surgery of taking ribs out. She did not say that in her. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's very interesting. Because in my research, I did see that, like, it came up over and over again about how, like, at Waverly Hills, they had this experimental surgery where they would take ribs out of you to kind of, like, help, I guess, I have no idea, like, relieve pressure off the lungs or let them expand more so you could get more oxygen. I have no idea. But no, she didn't say that. She did mention um, some of the treatments because somebody said that it was painful. And so she was mentioning, you know, removing parts of the lung, which it's kind of a miracle that the person who she was talking about survived that in the 20s because they did have penicillin at this point. Mm. But still, it's just a very intense procedure for back then. And deflating the lung just sounds terrible. But no, she didn't say anything about rib removal. Interesting. So due to the decline of tuberculosis, which is what I was talking about, that graph that she showed, they aren't sure what caused the rapid decline. She said that it wasn't just tuberculosis either. A lot of the other infectious diseases, you know, influenza, stuff of that sort, had a falling off too. But in 1961, Waverly Hills was closed 
and its existing patients were transferred to the other sanatorium in Louisville, um, which was Hazelwood Sanitarium. Hmm. So once it was closed, there was a ton of back and forth. And I have a couple of newspaper clippings talking about the governor wanting to do certain things with the facility. He was really pushing for a mental institution just to give some relief to another institution, but he couldn't find the funding for it. And finally, it was decided that it would be turned into a nursing home called Woodhaven Medical Services, and it would accept patients as young as 18. So it was kind of a middle ground of this is for the older individuals, but also we could provide relief for the mentally disabled as well. Mm-hmm. The facility would actually end up being closed due to state pressure in 1981. I found a clipping talking about there was a big push for there to be a little bit more administration on the facilities, just someone to pay a little bit more attention to how things are being run. Mm -hmm. In this specific clipping, one of the licensing directors went to Woodhaven Medical Services and she thought that the care at that nursing home had, and I'm quoting, deteriorated to the point that the lives of some of the patients were threatened. So it seems like it had gone downhill yeah. pretty poorly. So it ended up being shut down. Now, Charlie and Tina Mattingly currently own the property. Okay. Why did you give me that face? Just because this is the part that I'm interested, very, very interested in. So the YouTube video that I saw that from Kentucky Educational Television, they had the owners talking about what they wanted to do with the facility. And what I really loved was they were talking about the facility and he was talking about it's haunted, like they had the historical portion and then they talked about the paranormal portion. And he was talking about how it was the most haunted sanitarium out there, um, definitely in the United States, but possibly in the world. And then he followed it up with the renovations that he was hoping for. He would like to have a restaurant in the downstairs area, mm-hmm. keep the administrative area as it is. And then upstairs on the fifth floor, he would love for it to be a bed and breakfast. Yep. <laughs> Come see our most haunted place in the world especially while you that, eat your bagel. Especially when I talk about it, especially that fifth floor, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. So at the end of the presentation, Dr. Pohl did do a couple of question answer type things. Somebody asked a question in regards to there being a shoot for the bodies. Mm -hmm. I assume this would probably pertain to something you had heard. So I wrote this one down. It was not a shoot for bodies. It was a shoot for goods like food. Okay. She said that there hadn't been any sort of confirmation that it had ever been used for bodies. Okay. Somebody also asked how many bodies or how many bodies, how many bodies, too many bodies. Somebody had also asked, we already asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Somebody had asked how many people roughly died there. And she was like, I knew I would be asked this question. And she had already done some digging. So apparently a lot of the records had been moved from Waverly to a building in town, Mm -hmm. like pre 1937. In the administrative building, apparently there was a big, big flood mm-hmm. in Louisville. All of the records were destroyed in that flood. After that point, the Waverly board essentially says that everything was scattered and they use the term scattered, like lost in the wind. 
mm. including patient and administrative records. Like they don't have anything. So there's no official record of the deaths at Waverly Hills. So she couldn't even give an estimate. She said it would probably be a large amount just based on the disease itself and the purpose of the building. You're dealing with a deadly disease. So there's going to be a lot of death, but she wouldn't even give an estimate. On the first documentary though, done by the Kentucky Educational Television, they said that there was a rumor going around that 60,000 people died. Mm -hmm. Then the historian responded that Somebody essentially came through and said that that would be impossible. It would be probably more like 8,000 people died there, which is still a lot of people. Yeah, of course. She also mentioned that at the beginning of tuberculosis, there was a law put into effect. It was an anti-spitting law and you couldn't spit. (laughs) Take that, baseball players. (laughs) You had to spit into a spittoon. Okay. Which, thanks, series of unfortunate events. I know what a spittoon is. (laughs) And somebody asked if it was still in effect. And she said that she looked it up and it is, it's still a (laughs) don't uh, that takes out baseball players. You can't, or people who partake in chewing tobacco. Right. Uh, She said, obviously it's not enforced, but it is still a law in Louisville. (laughs) And that's what I got. Very cool. Very interesting. I was interested in Tina and her husband, the Mattingly's, because when I was going through Instagram trying to find some pictures, some evidence for pictures. I found a few Instagrams for Waverly. Hmm. There's one that's like the official one. It's official, uh, the, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And then there are two that are called Official Save Waverly Hills and Support Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And they both give me the impression that the Mattingly's are not in control of Waverly Hills directly anymore. That like the Waverly Hills Historical Society is and like support, support save Waverly Hills, the Instagram. It's just a bunch of random videos of inside Waverly, like TikToks. And it says like the Historical Society has basically manipulated the Mattingly's out of like control of their property. Ooh, the drama. Right. But then when you go to the the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, the, f- the one that has 4,000 followers, that's the official one that's run by the sanatorium, like itself, mm-hmm. the owners, everything seems fine. <laughs> There's no mention of like changing of the hands. Nobody seems like They're still having ghost tours and overnights They're, you know, everything seems totally normal. So I don't know if like there's something going on behind the scenes that we're just not hearing about, or if these two other things are just a spoof and some sort of weird spam accounts that are like trying to get people to follow them and like, like their videos that they get some sort of, I don't know, but I just thought it was really weird because in my research, as far as I could see, the Mattingly's are still owners. So yeah, I'm just looking through their website one more time. From what I, I was do- seeing on the website, which is the realwaverlyhills.com, it mm-hmm. seems like they're kind of hand in hand with the historical society. Yeah, it, it kind of looks like they helped start it. Yeah. So I just it was very confusing to me. And when it comes to land ownership, like you can't exactly 
arm wrestle somebody out of owning something. Right. Exactly. There's way too many signatures required for that. Right. But if you live in Louisville and you're like, yeah, there's something sketchy going on. I'm going to keep saying it like that. You can't stop me. <laughs> um, it sounds like you're choking every time you say it. I am choking regardless. <laughs> <laughs> um, but regardless, if you do live in that part of Kentucky and you know that something that we don't know, some behind the scenes drama, let us know because it was just very odd that I found those two Instagrams and they're like portraying a totally different thing than the the official Instagram is portraying. So, so did you see anything about any specific deaths or any like notable people dying? Um, no, because a lot of people died there. Yeah. She did talk about, um, so the collection that she used in her video was donated by the grandson of Edward Arthur. Mm-hmm. who did end up succumbing to tuberculosis um she talked about another woman but she didn't actually die at waverly but i mean there were there were tons of people right and they don't have patient records i do have did they die while it was a sanatorium or while it was a nursing home i believe a sanatorium it was in the 1930s and it was not a patient it was a administrative it was a employee. We can look over the break. <laughs> which I'll talk about, yes, in my portion after the break in more detail. But I just wanted to know. Yeah, no, I mean, it was the presentation itself was over an hour long. Mm. And it was full of more information than I gave. Otherwise, it would be a very long episode. Um, so if you would like to listen to something like that, the pictures are great. It was very interesting and very historically accurate i highly recommend giving it a listen super cool but as far as going into like individual she didn't really go into that it was more tuberculosis in the area and how waverly kind of helped out with that okay okay cool you can tell me all about it after the break yes i will let's take a break and then we'll be back we'll be back Hi, I'm Rena. And I'm Peter. And we're the host of Spooky Story Podcast. Spooky Story is a bi-weekly discussion about the stories that haunt us. Every episode we pick a theme and I tell Rena a historical or cultural perspective on the topic. And I try to scare Peter with a paranormal tale, with a little bit of humor along the way and a lot of interruptions from our cat. Listen to Spooky Story Podcast, all one word, spooky with an I, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back. We are back. I forgot to mention real quick before I start on my part, the month of April, we are going to be highlighting spooky story with Raina and Peter. They, you just heard their, their ad when we went on break. They're a really great podcast. You should take a listen. They're fairly, they started out like, I think around the time that we started out. So Mm -hmm we're kind of coming up together. And I did want to say a quick thank you to the activity continues for being our partner in March. It was really fun to do a collab. I'm really enjoying doing this little community building with all these different podcasts. So definitely check them out for sure. Thank you. Um, But yeah, so for my part, 
the paranormal. I want to start out with this wonderful quote from a very serious paranormal investigator. Ooh, which one? I think you know which one. (laughs) I think you know. I was trying to keep it (laughs) mysterious. And, And it goes, if death had a home address, Waverly Hills is it. Zach Bagans. <laughs> he said that in his Ghost Adventures episode. And I just thought, wow, what a, just what a powerful quote by the man himself. So I couldn't man. pass up using it tonight. You could feel, feel the drama in that one. Um, most of my stuff did come from the Ghost Adventures episode and Destination Fear because Waverly Hills is really haunted supposedly (laughs) (laughs) let me just tell you Um, how i feel right now it's a huge like we already saw like you showed the picture to me and we'll put it on the instagram it's a huge place Mm -hmm. after they rebuilt it there's a lot of hype for this place a lot of paranormal claims for waverly in fact ghost adventures ghost hunters destination fear and paranormal lockdown have all done episodes I only watched two out of the four. <laughs> I was going to ask, <laughs> did you end up watching all of them? No, I'm sorry. I just, I could not do four whole hours of Dis- Discovery Plus content at this time. <laughs> this <Okay>. week <laughs> was not in the cards for me. So I stuck to um, Ghost Adventures season four, episode four, which was an OG episode. Very fun. And Destination Fear season three, episode one, their season opener, which was also very fun. And I stuck with those two because Dakota is Zach's protege. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of go back and forth between the two, seeing mentor and mentee in action, how they're both handling their shows. And I think it was also interesting because I think season four, Zach Bagans is kind of around the same age as Dakota is right now. So um, kind of cool to see. I like the Ghost Adventure early episodes with just Aaron, Nick, and, and Zach the most. Same. They're very, um, they're still dramatic and they're still corny, but you can tell that they're, they're really genuine about the things that they're doing. Well, and they're there like having a good time. Yeah. Like they're, I feel like the beginning episodes, they're there because they enjoy doing it. Yes. Where the later episodes, yeah. The later episodes are like, what do people want to see? Yeah. So if, if you're taking a vote early, early seasons is what I want to (laughs) see. that energy come back if you're taking about bad dramatizations is something nobody wants to see <laughs> exactly um but there's also a lot of youtube videos uh instagram content as well as a ton of pictures on the waverly hills facebook page i've picked out a few but there's a section there's an album that's like just like visitor submitted pictures and it's Mm -hmm. like it's got like 139 photos Mm. of different content so it's a lot and I'll show you some later but for now we're gonna gonna go with the broad overview like we said in your part Waverly was for tuberculosis Um, a lot of the hauntings are attributed to former patients there it's disembodied screams and voices shadow figures and moans that are pretty much regular accounts from people who experience things there um let me see i'm gonna give you a few of the shadow figure pictures that i have collected 
that have been seen at Waverly because there are a bunch. Let me go ahead and do that. Oh, that's so much at once. I know. I'm sorry. I'm bombarding you with all of the shadows, all these scary shadows. First one you're going to see is like in a kind of cracked doorway. I'm sorry. Is that a face? It is a face. And I don't want to put my hand down. (laughs) It is a face. And I'm glad that you saw it right away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That is the thing of my nightmares looking through an open door. (laughs) I know. It's just like peeking through. Just peeking through. And I will say there's some there's a few different children ghosts in here. So for me, it looks like the face of like a child kind of peeking through, which, (laughs) which is just so disturbing. Nope. To me, I would say that looks like maybe two faces, two faces now, now (laughs) what? (laughs) Or a combined face. And it kind of looks like the old guy from Poltergeist. Oh no. You don't see two faces? No. And I, if you point it out to me, I'm going to throw up. So So there's two eyeballs at the top and then two eyeballs in the middle. Oh, I guess. I just seeing it as like a slight profile, like that little slope of somebody's nose. And the top part is like their forehead and the bottom part is their lips. How close up is this? I think this is pretty close up and cropped. I can zoom in a little bit more on my end. Interesting. Anyway. Anyway, so then on to the next one, which is also disturbing. That's a person. It's not a person though. They were walking by this room. They like they were walking, the tour was walking by. This is what I got from the caption um, of this picture on the Facebook. The, is that the, Elvis? It was... <laughs> Doesn't it look like his feet are flippers? Yeah, I can see that. He looks like he's getting ready to like shake it. I know. He looks like he's going to be, but it's like a very black devoid shadow. Yeah. But they said that this room was empty as they walked by it. So it's not a person according to them. It's not a scuba diver. No. This next one is kind of hard to see. Oh, is it in the back, right? Yes. This This one is like an ice spy game. (laughs) A horrible ice spy game. (laughs) I spy with my little eye something that will make you vomit. I spy with my little eye and my nightmares for the next two weeks. Um, but yeah, it's in the in the back right hand corner. I will put all these these pictures on Instagram. Again, this was shot down a hallway where nobody was supposedly at the other end. So there's that. Couldn't that be a window though? That's what I thought. It could be a window, or it could be something hanging down. You know, just in the distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, this place isn't super, super well kept in some areas. So it could be like just debris hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. It kind of looks like a, like you're already seeing the reflection of the door in the window straight ahead. Right. And the last picture is another shadow figure. You're making a face at this one. <laughs> and it looks like woman. <laughs> it kind of does look like it has cat ears. Oh, maybe they're horns. Stop. All right. Well, that's done. <laughs> next so i just showed you all those to show you that there are a lot of shadow creatures going on right i will show you two more examples a little bit later as they pertain to specifically things in both episodes that i watched like i said that there are children ghosts that are 
reported at Waverly because mm-hmm. the fifth floor was supposedly be supposedly half children's ward hmm. and half the worst off people ward. Like on one wing, there was like this was when it was renovated. One wing of the fifth floor was for children, and one wing was for people who were terminal. Why you would keep those two people, groups of people, on the same floor, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Just from how the other hospitals were um, run, like the one of the women that Dr. Pohl mentioned was at the other sanitarium for a minute, and she was talking about how she was. I think she might've been on the fifth floor too at that facility. And it was just women and it was just people like her and they weren't allowed to be like around each other that much. Definitely no like male, female intermingling type thing. Right. They kept people pretty separated. So I feel like in that instance, if you're going to have a children's ward, it's probably not going to be with the worst off patients on the other end. Right. Yeah, so that little setup was like a little bit iffy to me, but that is where the legend of a six or seven-year-old boy named Timmy comes from. Mm. He is accordingly some little child that haunts Waverly. Visitors go to Waverly to bring him toy balls, to entice him to play with them. He um, has been heard supposedly on evp and that's how they got his name i only saw that in ghost adventure during the time that they were interviewing people mm-hmm. and one of the guides said that they got an evp but they did not of course show the evp right in that episode at least and i didn't find any evps on their facebook page so do with that what you will there is a video on instagram of a ball session like they're having they have a ball in the middle of the floor and they're talking to timmy and they ask him if he can, they can turn on the flashlight across the room and it happens. Oh. And I will share that video with our Instagram through Instagram stories when I, when we put this up, I had it in my liked, I liked it to show you later. <laughs> and now Instagram won't show me the things that I liked. Like the whole post that you've liked section of your mm-hmm. account is gone now. So that's fun. But the ball is in the middle of the floor and the flashlight is like on the other side of the room on a chair mm-hmm. where nobody is at. And they ask him to turn it on and it turns on. So very creepy. I love flashlight sessions. I don't know why they're not used more because <laughs> they're very, very off-putting and compelling to me. <laughs> I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> Maybe a lot of people are like, that's so fake. That's the easiest thing to fake. And I'm like, oh my God, this means it's real. It's magic. <laughs> But you did look it up during the break and on newspapers.com, you couldn't find anything about dear Timmy. I could not. Unfortunate. But, you know, a lot of people and children did die there. So it's true. It could be possible. And he just didn't make the paper. The major huge story for this place is the nurse in room 502. I have heard a lot of stories about this woman. There are many versions of this le- this legend. Oh, so um, super reliable. So, so reliable. It mainly goes in the 1930s, there was a nurse who supposedly hung herself in or just outside room 502. There are versions where she was having an affair with a married doctor slash the hospital owner. 
and became pregnant. And she either, A, was so ashamed that the doctor and or her owner would not be taking responsibility for this child that she hung herself. B, she had a stillborn and from the grief she hung herself. C, she had contracted tuberculosis while working and knowing that herself and her baby would most likely die of the disease, she hung herself. There's also another version where she was pregnant and had an abortion that went wrong and the staff staged it as a suicide. And then a completely different take on it is there was a nurse who killed herself by slitting her wrist and ran up and down the hall screaming and bleeding, not pregnant. traumatic? Yes. All of these things are awful. (laughs) Okay. All of these are awful. Um, there's never a name of this nurse. It was very interesting because in Ghost Adventures, they mentioned this, this legend. Um, I think that they go with an abortion gone wrong or whatever the case. They mentioned a Mr. Thornberry, a janitor, was the one who found the nurse's body. Which, why does he have a name, but the nurse does not have a name? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> That. And is Thornberry a real last name? Nigel Thornberry was at Waverly. It was Wizards. actually Donnie. We're actually talking about Wizardly, Wizards of Waverly Place. <laughs> <So> <laughs> this whole time. April Fool's. No. Um, it was a weird Nickelodeon Disney crossover. Uh, <laughs> no, I just... I, it was so random. This Mr. Thornberry is the one that found the nurse in room 502, but they don't even give a, the nurse a name. So I just don't understand where this came from, especially when you're saying that like a, pretty much all the administrative records as well, the patient records were kind of lost. Yeah. How do you know he even worked there? Well, I just fact checked something. Cause I was like, were abortions even legal in the thirties? So it looks like until about 1880, they were allowed and widely practiced. Okay. They were only illegal after the point where you could feel the fetus moving. That makes sense. They became criminalized by 1880, except when it's necessary to save a woman's life. So the other statistic that goes along with this In 1930, abortion was listed as the official cause of death for nearly 2,700 women, nearly 18% of maternal deaths recorded in that year. Wow. So she could have died from an abortion, but it would have been illegal and the hospital probably wouldn't have performed it there. Well, I'm saying if it was like the doctor, the married doctor that she was having oh, an affair I with, see what you're saying. you know what I'm saying? And then they were like, oh crap, this abortion went wrong and we weren't supposed to perform it anyway. Let's stage it to look like a suicide. Well, we did find a suicide by a nurse on newspapers.com. We did. And that made the paper. So I would think that something like the death of a nurse in a hospital ward is a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. I would think that it would be something that would show up. And the nurse that we did find was in a different part of Kentucky and she took her own life in a completely different way and didn't give it a reason and nothing about it said that she was pregnant. So not related. I also want to go back. I also want to really go back 
very quickly because I said that makes sense with the baby's movement and stuff like abortions were okay up until then not saying like that makes sense I approve of that no I just meant like in that time period that's probably like the thought process at that point (laughs) exactly yes yes I just want to make that clear (laughs) but but yeah so this 502 nurse is something that's super big part of like the urban legend of Waverly Hills are they finding evidence in room 502 that correlates with this death kind of so in ghost adventures they have contact with something in room 502 with the REM pod, which is one of those things that like you put in the middle of the floor, the ghost spirit energy is supposed to come really close to it to turn on and make that noise and light it up. Mm-hmm. It goes that it goes like the buzzer. It's very annoying. Um <laughs> they couldn't change the tone to be like wind chimes or something. I guess that would be a little bit creepier, but <laughs> I guess it like takes you out of the being scared when this really annoying noise is like going on. Does it? I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, it's something that's supposed to really drive home that there's something there. I don't like it, but I don't like most of the noises that ghost equipment makes. So that's why I'm not, (laughs) and I don't own any, but it goes off really quickly after they set it up. Like almost immediately they turn it on and it starts going off. And Zach asks it to step away, and it does on command, whatever entity is there. During this session, it does kind of react to questions like, hey, will you touch this if you, if we ask you, you know, questions, and it does, and it kind of follows Zach's lead when he says, you know, can you step away from it now? Come over here to this corner with me. It does, and then he gets like a cold kind of like feeling around him. They get an EVP at 2436, and they also get an EVP at 2518. The 2518 EVP sounds like a child. At the end of the session, they really think it's the nurse that they're responding to, but both of these EVPs were hard to decipher, and it was early on in Ghost Adventures, so they didn't replay them a billion times, and they didn't really clean up the audio for you to like listen to. Yeah in post they weren't there yet i don't think um so they're very hard to understand and like i said the second one at 2518 really sounds like a child so there might be a child room, room 502 but i'm not i mean i'm sorry it, if all of this happened on the fifth floor why would you want this to be a bed and breakfast that's what i was thinking when you told me that i was like fifth floor bed and breakfast no because i have other scary things that went on the fifth floor just wait <laughs> um but I really do want to drive home that I could have shown you a lot of EVPs for Ghost Adventures because there's a lot of EVPs in their episode. And that's why I'm saying that this is a very early season. A lot of their EVPs in this episode sound like someone's scraping or bumping into the recorder. Mm. Because Zach and Aaron and Nick are all moving frantically around as they're recording EVPs. (laughs) I don't think at this point that they learned that you need to like kind of stop and like do your EVP session and then kind of move slowly and do another EVP session. They're like holding their recorders aloft going down these hallways. And so some of the EVPs that they get sound like their shoes or sound like them bumping into things. I'm not saying I'm not debunking anything officially, just to me, not my opinion, a lot of them. There's a few that didn't, 
um, but a lot of them sounded a little bit like human error. (laughs) But the very spooky thing about floor five and near 502 is in destination fear. They go up there during the day and they experience what sounds like something dropping behind them as they're all kind of like talking about it, like how they're going to split up for the night and everything. And they're like, what's that? So they go, they go towards that sound Mm -hmm. to see if anything actually fell from the ceiling or anything. And as soon as they get to that area in a different place, another like kind of scraping footstep Mm -hmm. sounds and they're all together. And so they turn and like, where did that come from? And basically these sounds led them to room 502. And they're like, well, that's very creepy. Let's do an EVP session. So they do this EVP session and they're trying to see if it's the nurse. They get, they don't get a name, but they get a ovalisk, you know, the thing that like says the words. Yeah. They get an ovalisk of, um, I think it was like, yes, here when they ask if you know somebody's there and right after that uh, tanner gets a nosebleed like spontaneously gets a nosebleed oh geez isn't that weird <laughs> so they it's like it's such a bad nosebleed they like take a break they go back to their like command center and he's like shoving this thing up his nose he's like it's really weird he does kind of like try to debunk it as like oh you know it's kind of cold in here the it's the air is a little dry it could have just been that but it was just very, it was just very weird. Like weird timing. Yes. Very weird timing. And room 502 is known to make you feel ill. People have thrown up right after going into the fifth floor in room 502, getting very ill afterwards. So getting a nosebleed spontaneously after you're doing some sort of session, trying to draw out a nurse who killed herself, supposedly. I don't know. Tanner also draws the lucky straw of getting to stay in room 502 on the fifth floor. Do they want that him to night. hemorrhage? I know. I was like, dude, they, they pull all their things out of like a bag, like to make it, I guess, fair, quote unquote. But I feel like they just, they just set them up anyway, pre. Right. But they're like, man, I'm so sorry that you have to go up there. Okay. Good night. <laughs> like, oh, well. Here's a box of tissues. So he goes up there and he is sitting on his like cot and he has the, the camera pointed at him and he has the viewfinder so he can watch it through the viewfinder as he's filming himself. And he caught this shadowy anomaly on his camera, which was very, very creepy and very, very cool. And I'm going to make Jennifer look at it. <laughs> yes. And for those following along at home or want to watch later, it is at the 34 minute and nine second mark of the season three, episode one of Destination Fear. Please break out your Discovery Plus and, and view that because it's, it's freaky and it's hard to see. In this, I'm just going to set up while you're trying to find it. It made me go like, wait, what happened? Because it happened very fast and it happened very fast in real time because you can see Tanner go, wait, did something just move? And then he looked, he, his eyes widen and he like looks around and then he immediately runs to the control center to get Dakota's laptop to view it on a bigger screen. It's very hard to see. You have to look very, very closely, but it does happen. What was the timestamp again? 3409. Yes. Did you see it? Yes. 
Isn't that creepy? It's like a weird shadowy boomerang. <laughs> and it's not a bat. To a Toys R Us near you. <laughs> and it's not a bat because he would have heard a bat. He didn't say that there made any noise or, or any flapping of horrible, horrible wings. I watched that footage. And if it wasn't for the reaction that Tanner had immediately afterwards, I would have been like, oh, this is fake. <laughs> like, oh, that couldn't have happened right behind him. But then I had an orb happen right behind me. <laughs> and you'll I'll never s- look at that stuff the same way again. <laughs> exactly. And he looked so like thrown off by it. He looked so surprised. And then he immediately was like freaking out. Like he had to go see it on a bigger bigger screen Mm -hmm. but i don't know i just thought it was pretty cool what did what did you make of it it was very quick it is very quick they kind of described it as it it kind of seemed like the shadow or the entity didn't expect him to be there and it was like oh well never mind like let me look (laughs) sorry i'm in your shot (laughs) right exactly like oops you weren't supposed to see me um but it is very quick but it's not like a full black shadow either. It's like a murky. Yeah, it's a little bit brighter than I was expecting, mm-hmm. which I'm glad about that. Yeah. But it's interesting for sure. It was very interesting. And it's very interesting to see that it was caught on camera. Mm-hmm. I like seeing things, those things because people often are like, oh, yeah, I saw a shadow figure. And it's like the end the end i don't ever get to see a picture or video and there's a lot of pictures and videos of shadowy things going on here so they all went up to the fifth floor after dakota showed them this like he radioed them all to come and see it the footage they go up to the fifth floor to do an evp session but they never get anything from that Hmm. um running off somewhere else it was on a mission right it was like fuck this is my sleeping area and (laughs) why are you in my bed Right, exactly. Um, you know, maybe it was just like a entity that was, you know, I wanted some peace and quiet away from you. You're all you're all on all floors of this place. Come on. Don't be selfish. But yeah, and we can't talk about Waverly without uh talking about the death shoot, which you just debunked. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> it's not a shoot like a laundry shoot either. <laughs> Which is what came to my mind when they were talking about a shoot. Yeah, it's a five hundred foot tunnel, which is, which is more for like the, the rumor is that they take bodies out of there so the, the patients couldn't see. You found on that YouTube video that it was not the case, but which is more horrific, <laughs> the truth, the five hundred foot tunnel that takes bodies out of, out, or my version, which is a laundry shoot, which they just put the body down like a slide. <laughs> When you say shoot, I think things are shooting through it. Like exactly. I, I was right there with you. I was like, shoot. And then she was like, no, it's you, it was used to transport food. I was like, this isn't, <laughs> this, this is isn't the setup that's in my brain. <laughs> right. right. And I was like, when they said body shoot, I was like, oh my God, they're like just pushing d- bodies down a shoot. But no, I've seen that on multiple horror movies. <laughs> it's awful. Um, but it makes sense that it was actually something for some mundane reason, like transporting food, because in both episodes, there's no, there's not a lot of specific activity. They 
have people say that they're feeling heavy and sad when in the tunnel, which is a tunnel. It's a tunnel. It's a dark, it's a creepy tunnel. I wouldn't want to be down there either. It would mm-hmm. make me feel very uncomfortable. In Destination Fear, they said they did ask spirits through the ovalis if they could describe someone in their group. And the ovalis came back with the world word girl, which they do have a girl in the group, Chelsea. She's the only girl right. in the mystery gang. They also heard what sounded like things being thrown or falling down the tunnel behind them. But Destination Fear group crew did say that it could have been like ceiling debris crumbling off the tunnel or something. And that's what right. made the noise. I appreciate the Destination Fear kids trying to explain things logically while keeping their mind open to the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a rock is just a rock. <laughs> it's not a demon throwing the rock. Well, and like we've said before, it just makes you look so much more credible when you're not saying everything is the paranormal. Exactly. When you're actually taking the time to say, wait, no, that's not it. It makes the times when you say that is it more believable. Right. I did see in the, one of the interviews on one of these shows, a local guide, I think it was Ghost Adventures, a local ghost tour guide said that she had seen a shadowy figure in the tunnels with glowing green eyes that spooked her, that scared her. But I haven't really seen any death shoot specific experiences from people. Mm. Maybe she got mixed up with a DeSoto. Yes, maybe she did get mixed up with DeSoto. My brain is mush. Um, It could be. Not that they don't have a death shoot there, but they do have a creepy, creepy thing in the basement. So it could have just wandered on over a few states. But basically, they the bottom line is that this place is active on all of the levels. Level four is the operating room floor and patient rooms. A lot of evil stuff goes on there, apparently. This is the floor that you're most likely to get bit, scratched, physically touched, and attacked. Oh, oh, oh. Well, yeah. at least they're not putting the bed and breakfast on that floor. I, I mean, if they had to choose suicide nurse <laughs> or being bitten, scratched in the night, I guess, I guess fifth floor wins it. They'll save um, the fourth floor for the theater so you can get a full 4D experience. The restaurant. Um. <laughs> That's the main floor. Oh, okay. Um. There's supposedly a doctor there that was part of the experimental treatments that supposedly, I guess, never happened if it wasn't in your, in your research about the ribs. Just from that one doctor though, on the official Waverly Hills Sanatorium Woodhaven Geriatric Center Memorial and Historical Resource website. Mm -hmm. Can y'all please do something with these names? (laughs) On their website, it says that a couple of the treatments were obviously rest, fresh air, all that good stuff. Uh, lobectomy and pneumoectomy, which is where they remove the portions or sometimes the whole lung. Phrenectomy, okay, which is where the nerve supply to one diaphragm is cut off, which, hey, <laughs> bring that over here. Coming for you. Heliotherapy, which is sun treatments. Thoro, thora, mm-hmm. I'm about to get the doctor to come in here and pronounce all of these. <laughs> We're not doctors. Thoracoplasty, 
which is a surgical removal of their of several rib bones from the chest wall in order to hey. collapse a lung. But then they put them back in. I'm guessing. Uh, it doesn't say. In the time mm. that the surgery was commonplace, the average patient required the removal of seven to eight ribs. Ugh. Most surgeons preferred preferred to remove only two to three ribs at a time. Thus, patients had to endure several procedures before the entire whatever was finished. The artificial pneumothorax is a method that's introducing the air to the cavity, which collapses the lung, which I guess is an alternative to removing the ribs. Right. There was also the artificial pneumothorax where the patient lies on the affected side. So if your like left lung was messed up, you would lay on the left side and it would restrict the lung from expanding. Which I don't know if that's how that works. And for the patients who had infections in both lungs is the shot bag method. A bag containing one pound of shot is placed on either collarbone of the patient. And the amount of shot is increased four to five ounces each week until the patient is carrying five pounds of weight on the upper part of each lung. No. How does that help? Well, they're trying to keep the lungs like restricted so that they're resting. But then you can't breathe and then you die. (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) But it sounds like looping back around. It sounds like none of that. None of these are experimental. But they were just running the mill. They're just common practice. Okay. Well, then I don't know what experimental treatments this doctor on the fourth floor was supposedly doing and now haunts. The doctor haunts? Yes. I see. The doctor haunts the fourth floor, supposedly. And he, like the legend goes that he possessed a visitor one time. Like he like took control of somebody visiting there and made them say, bring souls repeatedly. Why does it have to be a doctor? Why can't that just be a bad thing? I don't know. Like the doctor wanted more people to experiment on. I only saw that on Destination Fear. <laughs> so I don't know if somebody just told them that to make like a more punchy episode or what. Uh, they did get a pretty weird photo on that episode around the 2202 mark for people who are listening at home because you're not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to put it on our Instagram because I cannot screenshot things on Discovery Plus because that would be stealing. Good job, apparently. Discovery Plus. But I'm going to try to see if I can find it and then show it to you through the camera because I thought it was pretty weird. So the setup is, is they decided to take some photos, some rapid photos with um, Dakota's phone. And um, as they do, he's going through them afterwards and he finds a little white mist, a little figure. And it's not the lady in white. It is not the lady in white. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to show you this. This is, let me see if I can, what I'm seeing. You see, this is the kind of like, like the control Mm -hmm. and Hmm. this is zooming in on it, but this is the little white mist apparition sort of orb thing that they had right after he took that picture. Yeah. It almost looks more like an orb than a mist. Yeah. Kind of like an orb in action going up. Yeah. Like a movement. Mm -hmm. But I do appreciate that they, he took several 
before and after control pictures. And then that was the only time it showed up. So it actually starts around 2150 for people who want to see it on Destination Fear of him taking the pictures. And then you can see the controls before and after. And he kind of zooms in on the mist with Mm -hmm. his fingers on his phone. Um, But that is on the fourth floor as well. In Ghost Adventures around 1156, they have an actual video from residents, the resident guides, investigators at Waverly, like the people who are usually there giving ghost tours, getting pushed in the back during a session on the fourth floor and getting a bruise. Like they actually showed the video of them doing the session. And then you can see the guy go, oh, like he gets pushed out of his chair a little bit. And then the, his, his friend's like, are you okay? And he comes over and he lifts up his shirt and there's like a bruise forming in the like left side of his lower back. Yikes. Yes. Which I thought was pretty interesting and very cool that they were able to show that. I wish current ghost adventures episodes would do that more. I like when they had the, the more like took things from viewers and investigators and kind of showed you what they were talking about as they were interviewing them. Right. It was very cool. And then in Ghost Adventures, on the fourth floor, Aaron gets this EVP at 3601 of a moan, which is disgusting to my ears. And so you must listen to it. No. Yes. I'm so sorry. I'm going to be torturing you through this whole episode. This is the last one I want you to see, though. Did you die of tuberculosis in here? I'm not listening to the replay of that five times. Once was enough. Thank you. You heard the moan, though. Oh, well, yeah. Sound like somebody was dying. Yes. It was so gross. And that is the clearest EVP in that episode. If you're going to listen to any EVP that happened in that episode, which is a lot, go to that one because that one was like, holy, I want to take off my headphones and not ever finish this episode because it was gross. Gross as in like creepy paranormal that like sounding gross, but you know. It had a lot of feeling behind it. Yeah. It was like, you know, did you die of tuberculosis? What do you think, dude? Like, (laughs) but yeah, lastly, I want to talk about the third floor for just a second. In Destination Fear, this floor was really quiet. Not a lot of things going on. For Ghost Adventures, they get an apparition from their full spectrum camera that they left down there. 3942 is the timestamp for this. Um, It's another shadow figure. Mm Mm-hmm. And it goes quickly across the the full full spectrum camera is basically taking photos by itself over and over again. And you can see very how it travels across. At this point, I wasn't very surprised that they caught a shadow figure because I think that is very common here. I enjoyed it a lot more after seeing Destination Fear because Tanner got that boomerang shadow <laughs> thing in his footage on the fifth floor. Not the same floor, but kind of confirms that these things are sort of happening all over the place at that place. They break it down towards the end of the episode. So if you skip to the end of the episode of Ghost Avengers and you want to see somebody like looking at it on a bigger screen, he takes it to like a paranormal photographer Hmm. and she kind of breaks down and kind of closes up and makes a clearer picture. So it was very cool. I'd be interested to know the theories, like why certain, why certain spirits manifest different ways like why does Waverly have so many shadow figures when Eloise didn't have quite so many right yeah I wonder maybe I guess I don't know maybe it depends on whether it's like residual and 
intelligent too. Mm-hmm. Intelligent spirits might have more energy to manifest in different ways. Whereas like residual kind of has just enough energy to make itself known as disembodied voices or quick flashes. Right. It would be very, if you know, if there are paranormal scholars out there that can <laughs> differentiate. Yeah. Just reach out. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. There's, I mean, there's so much more I could have gotten into. Like I said, there's a lot going on in each of these episodes online through pictures, YouTube videos of people just going through Waverly, brimming with creepy energy. Yeah. It seems very active. Yeah. The Ghost Adventure episode mentions doppelganger spirits also being there which supposedly mimic how you would look and sound. And Aaron supposedly sees one acting, looking like Nick in, in another room when Nick is not in that room. And there's some sort of German legend surrounding doppelganger spirits, where if you see your doppelganger spirit, like if it's mimicking you, you supposedly die. So there's that. <laughs> so that's supposedly going on that Waverly too. I just saw that mentioned in the ghost adventures episode how weird um yeah if a ghost took on the form of looking like me so much that somebody really legitimately thought i was somewhere where i was not goodbye do we need like a safe word (laughs) like something i could shout at you if i'm like questioning if it's you or the doppelganger we should come up with one we won't say it over the air though because yeah because then then everybody will know it yeah and then they somebody could just make a mask of me and try to trick you that wouldn't work i know you (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah (laughs) and i don't think anybody could really ever mimic the essence of zach bacon's no matter what spirit how powerful (laughs) or how gracefully they trip exactly um i didn't i enjoyed watching the content for ghost adventures this time because like i said it's just them zach zach biggins mentions that there's no big camera crew like it's their no big camera crew era Mm -hmm. where it was just literally just them so it was a little homey element and it was a it it, it's taken a lot more like like we said it's just taken a lot more genuinely right they're really trying they're passionate about this so it was nice to see so yeah, that's all I have time to share on Waverly for you today. So it's very obvious you think that this is a hoax. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> this place is haunted. <laughs> I can't confirm that it's haunted by a nurse who took her own life. And I can't confirm that Timmy is there, but there are things there. There sure. are, it sounds like, and looks like. Yeah. The amount of photographic ed- evidence, the stuff that they've caught on film, I would I would definitely say that you're going to get your money's worth if you go on one of the ghost tours. Which you can do. Yeah. They are doing them this, like, I feel like this past, this weekend. Yeah. They they're starting up constantly. in April. Yeah. So. And if you go, let us know. Send us yeah. some stuff. Yeah. If you get a shadow fi- picture, email it to us and then say for Kristen, because we don't want Jennifer to have to open it up and be like, what the heck is this? (laughs) That is not a funny joke. (laughs) Well, yeah, that was cool. All of these places that we do at the end of it, I'm like, I kind of want to go visit them. Like we're just going to have a a running list of places that we have to go check out ourselves. Just going to have to do a road trip. Truth. Speaking of where are we going next? We are going back to Massachusetts. 
Yes. Back specifically to Fall River. Yes. But that's Very as much exciting. as you get. Very exciting. What is your sage moment? My sage moment is my garden again. Oh. We got the beds put down and built. The fence is up. Joe built me a bench. Oh. We got the hose put, like the soaker hose put in. So we got irrigation and we got the mulch put down on the ground. So like the ground cover is covered. So tomorrow we're going to be putting in the dirt and fixing the hose to the house. And then we have to wait two weeks for Georgia to stop frosting and we can actually plant some vegetables. But you're going to have all the prep work, so it'll be easy by then. Just got to stick them in the dirt. It does look very impressive. Thank you. From the pictures that you showed me. I will send you some more tomorrow so that you can see it completed until it should be completely done minus the plants by tomorrow. Perfect. Share them on the Instagram. Yes. What about yours? Well, I first have a joke for you. Okay. That I heard from a basketball player. Love it. Um, and what do you call a cow lying d- lying down down in some grass? What? Ground beef. I was going to say immobile. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one too. No, G- Giannis is an NBA NBA basketball player and during one of his interviews he had a book of dad jokes and he's told that one and I was like that was pretty funny I'll was good. steal it good job. but I also want to give a shout out to my word my cat um that's not her that's her full name her her name that she goes by is my m-a-i and she turned six yesterday happy birthday she's a little fool April 1st so <laughs> Happy birthday to her. She's the love of my life. She's sleeping at my feet right now. But but yeah, that was that was it. Well, great. Happy birthday, Mai. Happy birthday, Mai. So yeah. All right. We would love to get some more suggestions from you guys. Be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover, locations to visit, ghost tours to go on all of that good stuff. If you have a random story about Girl Scouts or Horse Camp, we've mentioned that before, go ahead and send it in. You can send it in to us via social media, our Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or our email at hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our website, hauntedorhoax.com for quick links to our social media, or if you want a little bit information about what we're doing. Yeah. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or just give us a couple of stars on Spotify. Definitely. Helps a lot and we love to see it. And we will see you next Tuesday. We will talk to you then. Bye. Bye.